Hello, and welcome to episode 106 of First Geek 411. I'm your host this week, Chris Nicolay, and joining me, as always, my good friend Cameron Franklin. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's hot, but not as hot as where you are, so I'll take it. <laughs> um, fires are officially out in our area, or fully contained at the very least that's great to hear happy about that yeah um and yeah so but it has been a pretty mellow week since last week we got some pretty big news that we're kind of saving until everything's done though (laughs) um because we are excited to talk about some stuff but really it's summer's winding down not a ton happening this week but yeah so be sure to check us out wherever you've can follow us on our social media one geek 411 on facebook twitter and our playstation community you can email us at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com be sure to rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us whether it be spotify stitcher itunes or google podcasts and check out our show notes on our website onegeek411.com and teaser questions this week um yeah some no man's sky some streaming news some inf- news that's in here only because we are going to pack. <laughs> and yeah, so we'll be discussed. That's what we'll be discussing this week. Um, but before we do that, as always, Cameron, what's your favorite thing from this past week? So last night, as of recording, we got back together with our adventuring party and played some. I didn't know you broke Dungeons up. and Dragons. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that like awkward silence as we make faces <laughs> at each other. And yeah, so know, right? <laughs> we hit level two and we beat our first boss. And so we are chugging along. Um, I got knocked unconscious twice in the boss fight. Um, Not unconscious. I didn't die. Didn't die yeah. so my, I, our cleric had my back both times um, and I was able to get up and do like serious blows and then get knocked back down. The joys of a fighter. I get knocked so. down. About to get up again. Um, and so it's going great. Um, I'm excited for us to be um, kind of, going through and completing our first big quest. And so I'm excited to see where our DM is planning to take us from there. Um, on less exciting news, been still playing a lot of MTG arena new season, got my platinum rewards. Um, over the weekend they did treasure constructed, which is basically everyone gets a treasure token and their upkeep. Um, not a fan. Um, but I wanted the experience and the, um, alternate basic art, basic land art um, that you got from getting wins. Interesting. And so it took me like 15, 16 matches to get six wins. Um, because all the decks that I play are not great in treasure constructed, or I got put up against matchups that were just awful. Like every time I played, that's how magic yeah. works. Like every time I played mono red, I went up against like a lifelink deck. And it was just like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Um, and then so not a fan of treasure constructed also not a huge fan of m20 drafts it's just not quite my thing none of the archetypes are really clicking with me the same way that war draft did it's a cool set but is a core set so i mean like there's nothing like fancy mechanically or anything like that um so i definitely understand that definitely like outside of the core sets are better for any for Mm -hmm. draft yeah. So I think at this point I'm going to just start saving my coins um, and try to, and hopefully do a bunch of throne of Eldraine drafts once that hits arena. And so um, other than that, probably just be jumping back in constructed um, playing some more mono blue tempo. And then Ooh. Deanna and I finished parks and rec um, our binge watch. Um, I tweeted about this from our um, social podcast, social media, but I got to say that finale to parks and rec is by far one of the best sitcom finales ever um and just so good and every time we get there i'm like this is how you wrap up a series and and it's so true. it is one of the best endings parks and rec i only watch for ron's <laughs> like actually i like it but it's it's one of those shows that I really like i don't think i've seen every episode i'm not gonna lie um love yeah. the show just not not something i could binge watch 
directly through. It's something I put on the background or I watch here and there when I need filler, <laughs> anything like that. But wonderful series yeah. regardless. So yeah, those are the things I've been up to. Chris, what have you been doing this past week? Pretty much just Fire Emblem. Um, I finished my first playthrough at 50 nice. hours um, since launch. Um, and yeah, and during that, my playthrough, um, we had mentioned it. We just spoke about it a little bit last week. My Joy-Con has officially began. Oh, to man. So before I send them in, I'm going to do attempt some recalibration, see if that fixes anything. Um, I really hope it does. Um, but otherwise, I will be buying a new pair or at least one new Joy-Con because that is an option when it comes to Joy-Cons. Um, and uh, while I get mine sent in for hopefully repair, if it is a repairable mm -hmm. issue. Um, but yeah, so... Sad, but Fire Emblem, phenomenal. Finished my playthrough as a black. I did um, the Black Eagle, Eagle House. So if you have been playing Fire Emblem and you want to talk about any of the, the intense things that are happening, let me know. Mm. Um, and now I've started my second playthrough uh, with the Golden Deer. Um, I also watched the most recent season of She-Ra. So season three um, just launched. Um, it's a short watch. It's like three hours. To watch oh, the nice. entire season. It's really it's it's a short mini se season, but um, still a lot of fun happening there. It's, I I like that Netflix gets to play like oh this is what we can just to make sure we get something mm -hmm. out for you guys, um, and that's probably one of my favorite things. But it's a it's a good season. A lot's happening. There's a lot of intense emotions happening. Um, so check that out. Um, and yeah, so that is what we have been up to. So listeners. What have you been up to? Let us know, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, where you can do that. Um, but with that, we will go ahead and jump into our new segments, um, starting with, as always, video games. So one of the big things that happened this past weekend was EVO 2019, um, which is a huge fighting game tournament. Um, it's not really our scene, but like it's there's a bunch of announcements that came out of it for um, Street Fighter, Soul Calibur, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Blaze Blue, um, and I just kind of want to call attention to it because it's definitely one of those things that we can overlook. Um, I heard through a different podcast about how epic the Smash Brothers finale or the Smash Brothers finals were, and so I went and watched it um, this afternoon right before we started recording, and it was bananas. Is it? Are they still doing? melee or are they playing this was ultimate yeah or this so i don't they might also do a melee tournament um, but something i'm sh i'm assuming they still do melee tournament just because that is by far the most competitive version of smash um although it wasn't intended to be um but yeah like i figured they would obviously they're still going to do mm -hmm. ultimate like i know when they had smash three and all those like they were still doing those um but yeah still like evo i've had some friends that have gone in the past it is a intense and it's like they they do one for like yeah. every major series yeah it I'm definitely seems like at. one of those like cons that like is very niche but has its crazy intense community because they've kind of just been able to grab fighting games and so I think that's really sweet. Yep. Um, and I love watching Smash Brothers Ultimate. And so it's one of those things that I kind of always make an effort to watch when I can and hear about great matches. So the finals was Pokemon Trainer versus Joker. And so was hyped about that matchup. And speaking of Smash, launching this week, Hero. Oh, yeah, from Dragon Quest. From from Dragon Quest has been introduced as is officially a character in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Super cool. I like that. Like that's why this is why Ultimate is such a cool game in like the perfect uh iteration of Smash. Um is because you're getting yep. character updates. New characters get released in it. Um there's patching and modding, so balancing issues to fix any balancing issues. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of characters, but also there's not a lot of characters. There's, I mean there's eight billion <laughs> uh, fire emblems. So Right, and like all the characters play the same. Yeah, and then there's a lot of they, I think they're called Echo Fighters. There's a lot of those that are it's like two characters that yeah. are basically palette swaps. 
Yeah, there's a lot of that, which mm-hmm. is understandable with such a big thing. It's hard to make everyone feel completely unique. Um, and then obviously shadows are almost button for button the same character um, with that, with that, the exception of aesthetics and maybe the overall portrayal of the ability. Like, I don't know how to explain that. Probably not doing a very good job, but not really important. You guys understand what I mean. Um, <laughs> I hope. Um, in other news, um, kind of in streaming news, as I mentioned at the top. So I think Ninja is technically the world's biggest streamer. Has officially left Twitch um, and will exclusively stream on Mixer. Mm-hmm. Um and also had his biggest stream ever with his debut on Mixer, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so for those that don't know, so Twitch, um, owned by Amazon, and Mixer, owned by Microsoft. Interesting news. We're not big in streaming, stream, the streaming scene at the moment, but I, I have been, I'm familiar with who he is mm-hmm. in kind of a, cool piece i'm not sure what this means or like what its actual significance yeah. is it's like, that's, that's okay. kind of we're kind of in that boat where we don't necessarily keep up with the pro streamers or stuff like that um and so but it, it's definitely yeah. interesting we've we've said before that competition is always good and so it's good to see some of those big streamers moving from twitch to a different platform just because it means twitch will have to step up their game like if they're going to retain their ad revenue and all right. that stuff they need they need those big streamers, which means they need to get good deals. And, and so this is hopefully going to be a good thing in the end for content consumers. Right. And it's also like one of those things, like possibly Mixer can be a very like cool software suite in a sense, just because it is mm-hmm. windows native um, kind of situation. So it has that potential um, to be a more stable yeah. platform um for streaming so it has that going for it i can't say for sure that that is the case or anything like that but yeah uh more competition and also yeah like twitch has just been kind of the powerhouse you see in my every convention so mm-hmm. maybe we'll see more from microsoft at upcoming conventions due to this um just trying to push their streaming platform too which is super cool the more you can see at a convention mm-hmm. the more enticed you are to go um and see those different things um Maybe we should start streaming on Mixer since yeah. semi. You can build that audience. Newer. Maybe that's where we should go. Ooh. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know, listeners. What would you be interested? Where would you watch this stream? Um, we also, what else? Yeah. What else is happening? No yeah, we've got Man's a release Sky date Beyond. trailer. Um, it's um, No Man's Sky Beyond, the latest update. It's coming out August 14th. Um, not really a ton to talk about there. It's just kind of on the horizon. Um, it's going to be introducing, yeah, like a winter release date. Yeah. And, and so it's going to have a lot of, lot more social type stuff going on. Um, and then we'll also be adding VR support. So that's oh, always time, time to, to jump, jump back, back in, in Cameron. I know it's, yeah. I'm jumping back into everything. It's like, okay, time to jump back into Final Fantasy 14. Oh, oh, time to jump back into No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. time to play. Time some to jump more into Borderland. Magic the Gathering oh. Arena. <laughs> It's official release is yep. coming soon because yep. it's still an open. It's in open beta. Correct. It's still considered open beta, um, but we should this fall should be seeing a. Yeah, it's been open beta forever. So I'm just like, are we? When do I we don't have know. a release date for? Um, because I've been I've been telling myself that I'll consider it probably more closer to release, even mm-hmm. if I have access to the beta. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. How, how's that? I wonder how that transition is still going to work. Do we know do anything mean? else about that transition from beta to? No, we don't really know production? like a features list or anything like that. It would make sense for them. Like that or like what's going to happen. Like you guys still get to keep because it is open now that you guys still get to keep all the cards and everything you have, right? Yeah, they've confirmed that there's no more collection resets. Um, I think there was one it was either when it went to open beta or just after it went to open beta. Um, there was a collection reset and then they confirmed there to be no more since then or no more after that. 
Um, and then they have confirmed how they're handling rotation. Okay. And so, um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see a big feature update whenever they go to actual release, like, you know, actual friends lists and those kinds of things. So, but yeah, we'll see. I guess our last piece of news, um, since we are going to this convention, PAX West has canceled a live podcast recording of the podcast Sacred Symbols featuring Colin Moriarty and Chris Reagan Moldonado. Um, and hasn't actually explained why. Um, I'm not completely mm-hmm. familiar with them. Uh, I, I know from my understanding they're a little political um, at times and possibly very con- kind of yeah. controversial. Um, yeah, I followed Colin Moriarty a lot, um, back in his IGN and kind of funny days. Um, one of the things I liked about him is he was, he was kind of always the different voice. And so I really liked that. Um, and then a couple of years ago, he sent out some tweets on like international women's day that were not very kind, um, and kind of funny, kind of noped him out of coming to PAX east that year and then kind of through all of that he ended up um either being asked to leave kind of funny or choosing to leave i don't know the details and then i guess this is kind of where he's landed um i've always like i said i've enjoyed his takes on things but i had definitely haven't kept up with him i didn't know he was doing this podcast until i saw it on twitter that it was canceled it's also one thing to like be just a different voice which is cool it's always nice to have a good balance but you also need to be I don't know. Like, I'm not completely familiar with it. Um, all we know really is that they received a message saying, um, apologies, but we unfortunately have to remove your panel from the PAX West 2019 schedule. Um, we apologize for any confusion and are happy to still issue special guest badges to you and the folks you had designated as speakers. So we'll still have access to the show for all four days. Um, so that's cool. Um, this could also just ultimately just be a big yeah. scheduling conflict for PAX. Maybe they have, um, a bigger panel available to them that they would like that maybe wasn't set in stone at the time. Um, but also can be just due to the political nature of conventions these days. Um, and with their comments, trying to Mm -hmm. ensure that, um, all uh, attendees feel like they have a safe space, especially with controversies revolving around like cosplay. So like if he made controversial statements regarding, you know, Mm-hmm. women on a on national women's day you know they might be mm-hmm. iffy i guess i don't know but yeah, yeah i I don't think we'll ever Probably really not. get an answer to what happened here um i'm i mike unless it like leaks from somebody that works for whoever like pax's parent company is um i would anticipate that that's really the only way we'll get a firm answer um which I kind of wouldn't anticipate happening anytime soon. So. Right. And it's not, it's like, you know, they're still offering you like granted you won't have a panel, but they're still getting badges if they wish to attend and everything. Um, and see what else they can do. But yeah, this is, we're just getting, we're still waiting on the, the fit finalized schedule for packs for planning our trip and everything. So this just made its way into our, our new mm-hmm. segments here. Um, because, well, it's a slow week. Okay. Okay. Um, so can, <laughs> that brings us, so that is video games this week, um, which brings us into movies and entertainment. So Cameron, you and Deanna just finished watching Parks and Rec. Did you sign a co-watching contract? Yeah, we did. Witnessed by Netflix? <laughs> we did not. It, this the, We did not do that. We have had shows in the past that we've done that with. Um, specifically, um, I think Jessica Jones season three might've been the last one that we like pretty seriously. We're like, we want to watch this together, but typically we end up kind of just having stuff on that one of us watches and the other one comes in and out. Um, so via Netflix's official Facebook, they released this image of a co-watching contract that reads. So this is a contract between blank and blank. The witness is Netflix themselves. And the terms and conditions are five pieces, five points 
being, I won't fall asleep. I won't get distracted by my phone, causing the other person to rewind because I missed something. I won't continue watching a show without the other person present. I won't talk whilst the show is on. In the event that I come across a spoiler, I won't share it with the other person. Asking, and then if you sign. Um, I, I, this just cracks me up because <laughs> Netflix knows um, it's an ongoing, I guess, joke, but also can be actual real stressor on some relationships. Uh, when someone watches yeah. an episode without the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've seen posts on lines of like people going to like super serious extents because they accidentally or purposely watched one more episode than their significant other and had to like pretend that they were super surprised by and a plot have, like, twist or something like so that. You, like, they don't see that you watched it and you have to go through, make sure it's like, Oh, um, so this brought up like a a idea for me of what Netflix can do so that you can actually enforce some of these rules on your partner. And my idea is like because Netflix allows multiple kind of not accounts but like sub accounts, like users um, on their thing, mm-hmm. have every user come up with a pin so that if two users agree to watch a show together, they are required to both pins have to be present so it's like the 80s and the two keys um (laughs) for nuclear launches um before these before you can stream it um as a way of kind of locking in that contract no i mean um (laughs) i like where your head's at I can see this completely backfiring and like Netflix support having to like unlock I'm shows sure there's for people. Like a, there, that you'd have to incorporate like a, a, a way out, obviously, just in case maybe you broke up because somehow you did watch that episode without your significant other and they weren't very happy. And <laughs> alas. Yeah. They could set like a time limit. So like the lock expires after a week or something like, like yeah. if no progress you is made like in a week and unlocks or something like piece. that. Um, or if you like remove one, like as the account holder, you can remove the act, like fully delete the other account, which would remove all locks. Mm. Like if you do break up, yeah. you know, if, if that does happen, <laughs> God forbid. Um, but yeah, just kind of a funny thing. Netflix is like self-awareness is dumb. Like they are, yeah. I've I've really enjoyed it right. recently. They They've definitely been, been steered into it, like or like the data that they have on us too about like what we watch. Like when, like three people in the U.S. had been watched this was some like rom com every night for <laughs> for like three weeks, and they're like hey. for like three <laughs> weeks or something like, like that. I love those pieces that Netflix releases or just like acknowledges. Hey, we get it. But maybe, sh- yeah, exactly. But who hurt do you? We need, do we need to get you connected with someone? Is everything all right? Um, but yeah. And we kind of, I guess, I don't have really any tech news this week. Sorry, guys. No dongle news. So, but do you still want to say it, Cameron? The dongle news. The dongle news. Um. Which automatically just brings us into our final new segment, which is the tangibles, where we talk about everything board games and Magic the Gathering. Um, so woot. this past weekend was Gen Con. We mentioned it last week. Gen Con's probably the biggest board game convention in the United States. Um, so we're not going to run through all of the announcements, but I kind of want to just hit on a couple of the big ones. Uh, in the world of Magic the Gathering, um, during some of the Gen Con panels, we got the first spoilers for Commander 2019. Um, as of when this podcast goes up, the whole set will be spoiled, all four decks. But as of right now, um, that's not the case. But we did get all the decks' themes and their like um, iconic Commander. I right. don't know the right word. The one that's on the packaging um, all got revealed. Um, and we'll talk about those in another episode more specifically. But Overall, the themes are each based on a mechanic, which was one of the leaks. And the mechanics are Populate, which is Naya. 
um, Flashback, which is Jeskai, Morph, which is Sultai, yeah. and then Madness, so which is Rakdos. We've got three three colors and, and so. a two color. Um, I am really excited for the Madness, um, Madness deck because that's a throwback for me. I really like the Madness mechanic where this card, if you discard this card, exile it, you can cast it um, from from exile uh well this like at mm-hmm. that time um it's uh, it does something that red's really lacking and so like a lot of the card draw in red is loot draw yep discard draw yeah, a card discard or, based you know um which is good that's fine it's filtering but with the madness mechanic you really get a build off that it's like well yeah i want to discard this because actually this has a cheaper madness cost or actually discarding it doesn't hurt me because i can still cast mm-hmm. it at that time um it's right it's really fun mechanic it actually was one of the first mechanics i played when i moved back to montana and started playing standard at the time and i'm really excited for that um but yeah the other the other mechanics you know flashback is gonna have a lot of spell slinger support um hopefully um and their three colors populate if you love tokens who doesn't love tokens i love swinging wide um Mm -hmm. yeah um of the commanders that were revealed i think the populate one has me the most excited um but overall as of right now i'm not mad hyped for these decks there are some we'll see what all's actually excited super there is a really solid mono black commander um, that's being released in these sets. Um, there is a new commander-based card, mm-hmm. or a land card, that is, this card is going to shoot up in price. I guarantee it. This card is going to be valuable. Um, but with that, we, we, we'll talk more about it once we have all the details regarding all the other decks. And we'll go ahead and, and we'll discuss and tell you, because commander decks are notorious for how valuable they are. Like, because they go up, they are a really good investment in mm-hmm. in if you play commander, especially in just getting good, strong, valuable cards that have synergy in commander decks. It's a good set to purchase. Um, also from yep. Gen Con, we got uh, some uh, new Keyforge sets. Mm-hmm. So we got Keyforge Worlds Collide. Um, and we have a nice little magic tie-in because Keyforge is designed by Richard Garfield, the original Correct. designer of and Magic this is the Gathering. A cool, really cool uh, thing. So like every deck is unique. Um, it, it's weird because mm-hmm. you can't modify them as a result, but it allows for a lot of balancing. Um, and they like even tournament-wise, they've yep. in- introduced concepts to allow for additional balancing. Like if they realize decks along these themes are more likely to win um they gather all this data and then like if you they do do a tournament that deck essentially has a handicap or a Mm -hmm. yeah yeah has a handicap it's like is that the right word or is that for when i need a handicap no um and (laughs) yeah so keyforge is a really cool concept um it's something they actually talked about he talked about way back but the technology just wasn't there to be able to produce and track all these different decks but now there is Mm -hmm. and so people may remember back when keyforge actually hadn't even come out yet they had printed a handful because the so a lot of the names are generated randomly based on formulas and there was a handful of decks with names that they deemed inappropriate. And so they recalled a bunch. <laughs> um, and so that's a thing. Um, I almost bought some Keyforge the other day cause it was on sale. And so, but I ended up not cause I don't need another trading card game, even though there's of course less trading in Keyforge than like magic. The Gathering. Right. But right. Because there is no trading actually. It's, well, it, it'd be deck trading. Right. It's just about like acquiring new deck decks trading, and stuff like that. Which is cool. Maybe we should buy some while we're at PAX and check it out. I know some of our other friends or attendees that we are going with um, might be interested. Okay. So that might be something we can do as a as something. Maybe you can do it at the convention, too. Yep. Who knows? Um, See, at 
um, Gen Con, we also got an announcement that Simon is bringing a um, the Cyberpunk 2077 franchise to the board gaming world with Cyberpunk 2077 Afterlife, the card game. And so it's going to fit into the world of the um, upcoming video game where you are a, what's the right word? You are a fixer and you're a data broker and mastermind and you recruit cyberpunks each um, and you equip them with gear and send them out on missions. And so it sounds like a really cool way to tie in with the game um, and kind of get to explore that world a little bit more. And so Cyberpunk 2077 is one of my most anticipated games right now. And so I hope this get this board game is good as well. And then we also got a bunch of um, Pathfinder announcements at Gen Con. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to read them all. There's cool. 15 total ranging from like right. decks to maps. And also like tracking through July of next mm-hmm. year or actually no August or so. Oh, sorry. July. So pretty much the end of next yeah. year. Cause it, the, um, one of their announcements is Gen Con of next year. And so that makes sense. Um, but like also like just cool game accessory pieces, something that Pathfinder does really mm-hmm. well, like the the uh, cards that, you know, like if you do get a critical hit or whatever, you actually can use the card to determine how it happens um, or critical fumbles. Um, a lot of just good, like really cool mm-hmm. resource sets that it looks like are coming out and everything. Um yeah. yeah. Pathfinder recently so. was about to release their second edition. And so it, it's kind of good to see them starting off really strong with all of this content. And so, yeah. Although this makes me also happy. I played D Yeah. The reasons like I'm, I'm happy with a set, the simplified system that's D and D five E compared to Pathfinder, but at the same time, like just how like diverse the character builds are for Pathfinder seems so cool. Right. But look at, we have 15 sets averaging, you know, let's say your average 15 pieces averaging over the next two years, let's say averaging 20 bucks. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But you don't like this. A lot of this you wouldn't necessarily need if you were doing an established campaign, but no like that's the thing like like for me i want i want to if i was invested in pathfinder i'd be buying everything <laughs> that's why i'm happy i'm playing D because D, like granted like all the resource books you know you can get you know it's gonna be for fall of all of fifth edition currently approximately about 300 yeah, i think there's like 10 books so um, far yeah or you can buy it in bulk like if you are okay with digital copies and everything to have access to everything yeah. on D beyond yeah. as that's well. that's what we're doing right now for ours cool. we all share a D beyond account like you didn't each create your own and just he created a campaign no, and we're just all chilling we just keep to... all of our character sheets are just on one account and so oh wow um because like that's I, why would you do it that way? It worked. D&D Beyond is so cool because the DM, as long as they have the source material, if they invite you to your campaign, you have access to everything, but your character is still tied to your account. Yeah. I don't know. This is just how we did it. And then he has access to your character sheets because you're part of that campaign. Yeah. Man. I think part of that is because our DM isn't the one with the account. And so it's somebody uh, else's. So we're doing it this way. I don't know, it's all it all works out for me, but <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I just love D and D Beyond's system is well, and it's constantly growing. Also, we should mention. I did we mention this that Hasbro is pushing dude since Wizards had one that's bet like the best second quarter ever. Obviously, growing. Um, Hasbro is pushing Wizards to potentially double. Mm. Yeah, we hadn't talked about that. That is great news, though. Yes. Keep it up, Wizards of the Coast, because I love you. Mm-hmm. And that, that that comes from everything, though. Like, that'd be um, putting more, getting more people focused on Arena, getting that finished and polished and making sure everything, like, as your new sets are coming out, everything's updated and working correctly. That's in the design team. 
um, more artists will be, will be able to work mm-hmm. on the sets, um, more uh, play testing and balancing and R&D. Um, so cooler mechanics, um, more creative, hopefully. Sometimes a bigger force doesn't always mean it, better right. work. Um, it just means more efficient work, which isn't always the best in a creative setting. But Wizards will figure it out. Um, also, if you're in the Seattle area, be on the lookout for job postings. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching. I, I know, yeah. If I was a bigger into development, I'd definitely be looking out for a program. <laughs> but with that, so that is... That is our new segments this week. Again, short episode, I know. But that brings us into our top three um, for the week. Um, And as I mentioned last week, our top three this week are our top three controllers or handheld consoles. Um, And I'm actually kind of excited for this one. Cameron, why don't you start us off? So we mentioned earlier that this might be one of our most overlapping um, top threes we've had before. And so I'm going to start off with the DualShock 4, the current PlayStation 4 controller. Um, With a big shout out too for the DualShock 3. Um, Once it actually became the DualShock and it wasn't just the six axis. Um, Because that was rough because that controller was so light. Um, Yeah, the six axis, like, I felt like I was going to break it whenever I was playing on it. But I love the DualShock 4. Um, I haven't gotten to actually use one of their updated versions. Um, where they reduced the light um, in the back, but um, I really liked that controller. They did a lot of really cool stuff. It feels great. The DualShock is definitely like a timeless controller, um, and it's had iterations, but it's definitely remained largely the same. Um, but it's a great controller, and I love where we're at right now with it. It's definitely like the best iteration of a classic. You know, Sony has stuck with their formula um for what they want their controller to look like and how they want it to work um which i I would say it's not necessarily the best controller but for those that play on sony Mm -hmm. it is the best iteration of what they have to offer um i'll definitely agree with you there um but definitely it's like it's not the most ergonomical in every aspect it can be pretty small especially if you have larger hands um but but that's also what the DualShock 4 did well mm-hmm. compared to the 3 um is they actually widened the the grip to accommodate for you know larger hands so it did a good job i think they did a a, a good job with that um for me i'm going to start off with a handheld system i am going to throw in the Game Boy Advance um the original Game Crossing Boy Crossing it off my list um Oh, yes. Nice. Um, and that's what, because, granted, I do almost want to say Switch, um, but the Joy-Cons have their downfalls, obviously. Um, also, the Joy-Con is designed to be removable and act as its own controller. Not the most comfortable, but the the overall ergonomics of the Advance itself was phenomenal. Um, I could play on that thing forever, like, without hand fatigues or hand cramps. Um, way back when and like it is such a popular um, form factor that mm-hmm. modders um, once the advanced SP came out which was a terrible form yeah, factor it was way too small um, is port- the, the biggest advantage of that was the ultimate portability of it screen size was the same as the SP but like just holding that square wasn't very comfortable but since the SP had that built in backlight into the screen modders were taking that screen out and putting it in the advances mm. which was really cool. i do want to say like i i think game boy advanced is really cool not just for the actual like piece of hardware but for a lot of the actual tech that they tried out with it you had games like final fantasy crystal chronicles where like every character like every player you could connect your game boy advanced to the gamecube and then you could actually use your own screen on your game boy as your like menu for that RPG. And so it's like, that was really cool as you played like four player co-op. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see kind of going from there to even like what we saw with the Wii U with the tablet. 
Um, and then of course, all the way to the switch right now, you can see, definitely see how a lot of those ideas kind of started with the game boy advance. Also shout out to the fire emblem games on the game boy advance. Cause they're amazing. Right. Yes, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like even like the switch of the controllers on the side mm-hmm. of your screen, um, for a handheld system like that is that's where it's getting yeah. it from. It's because of the success of the advance. Yeah, we saw that on um, the PSP, on the PlayStation Vita, like that became a big feature going forward. For handhelds, that is the best form factor. Um, yeah. My next one, yeah. similar vein, um, the DS Lite. Um, I loved that remake of the DS's style. I wasn't a huge fan of the original DS. Um, but I really liked when they rebooted to the light. Um, it was much sleeker, um, in a lot of ways, kind of going off what you said of the Game Boy SP or advanced SP, it kind of fixed that clamshell design, um, where it was a lot tighter than the original DS, but it also wasn't as tight as the Game Boy SP. And so it's a great piece of like portable hardware, um, has a lot of really cool games all the way from Pokemon to, um, again, Fire Emblem. Um, and you have like the Mario RPGs and stuff like that as well. So, and of course, Fire Emblem. Yeah, Fire Emblem again. <laughs> um, so for me, my next one, it's a surprise because it's not something I play with. Um, but the Xbox Elite Controller, is phenomenal and i also have to throw it out there because it's one of the best compatibility for like if you're a pc gamer that also wants to play with a controller the xbox controllers do have the best compatibility Mm -hmm. with that and it's ultimately i think one of the most ergonomic controllers and also like offering you a lot of flexibility with mods and like adaptations and different trigger feels and um different uh joysticks that you can utilize um to very really game the way you want to game um it is one that i would consider buying not because i have an xbox but because i do have a pc that i Mm -hmm. do game on um i would definitely consider an elite controller and it's just it's a really cool piece of uh hardware and it's also used in the military (laughs) <laughs> I really like the current Xbox controller. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have an Xbox. I like don't spend a ton of time with one. Um, and I strongly disliked the Duke, like the OG Xbox controller. Um, but I really like where Xbox is at right now with their controller. It is, just isn't. I don't actively use the system and don't really have a reason to switch from PlayStation. But Right. And that's, that's why I'm like, I'm, but because this is based on mm-hmm. controllers, not necessarily the overall system as a whole. Um, I had to throw yeah. it out there because it also has the versatility that you can use it if you play on your PC or anything like that. So you don't necessarily actually have to own an Xbox, which is also kind of the point I'm making about why the Xbox is not <laughs> necessarily the best console is because it's, okay, well, what if you have a PC, you don't need one because everything on Xbox is available on your PC as well. And so... If you get an Xbox controller, you can play your PC like you're playing Mm -hmm. your Xbox. Um, But yeah, so it's a phenomenal controller, though, especially like the the Elite controller. That's why I wanted to make sure it was specifying the Elite. Granted, the Xbox One controller is also a phenomenal piece of equipment. For me, uh, my last one is the PlayStation Vita. Um, It is by no means a perfect handheld. Um, I definitely think it has its flaws. Um, its firm form factor isn't quite perfect. Um, what did you do with all your UMDs? That was my PSP. What do you use those on now? So, oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. You mean those universal media discs that are used on every platform, Chris? Definitely not yeah, exactly. just one. Um, <laughs> but I, I, there's a lot of things, even about like end of PSP going into PlayStation Vita that I kind of think the system was a little bit ahead of its, ahead of its time but also just wasn't quite where it needed to be also like it, it kind of is, it has fun features that are great and we see kind of the switch taking them and definitely running with the ideas. 
but then we also have a bunch of features that are just like, but why is this here? And so like, right. namely the remote play, um, like switch kind of nailed that idea of being able to just take your game with you on the go. Um, and then similarly, the thing that PSP struggled with was memory. Like, Sony chose to go with a proprietary memory card versus like switch did with just the general, um, SD cards. Right. Right. And a charger, you know, so USB C and micro SD Mm -hmm. on the switch. You, you probably have spare ones laying around. Um, well, especially USB C is up and coming. It's big USB feet. Oh, I should have mentioned that for dongle news. USB four just kind of got announced. It's still in development, but like still u- utilizing that USB C hmm. format. Um, but yeah, I love the PS Vita. I love the ability that you have with it to have a fully digital only um, handheld. Um, and I think, like I said, that that's also one of those things. I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. And well, yeah, it was it was in between, you know, PS3 was current. PS4 was on the horizon. Mm-hmm. They wanted to try to give it some, I guess. It was kind of supposed to bridge that timelessness. gap. It was supposed to, but then it was kind of abandoned by the time PS4 was right. actually ready to roll out. And it just aged out like it wasn't. It was a little too quick. It, yep. So it, they ignored some of the potential incompatibility with the PS3 and attempting to future proof and prepare for the PS4. But then by the time the PS4 actually rolled around, yeah. no one was interested. Yeah. Um, I love it. I still play it semi regularly. I take it on trips. Um, I'll be bringing it to PAX West to play on the plane and stuff like that. Um, but I don't, I don't play it nearly as much as I do. If you have a PS Vita, get yourself persona Four golden. Yeah. And so, um, but Chris, what's your, I play it out on PlayStation. TV. Oh, nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> PS TV kind of does what, playstation vita does but a little better except for the memory card problem yeah it's really just an opportunity for you to play the vita games that you couldn't play anywhere else um on your tv as a Mm -hmm. home console kind of cool concept and on your dualshock and don't try to fly with it because it looks like a pocket knife fun fact the playstation tv yep i got one for christmas a couple of years ago um, and tried to fly back to Connecticut with it. And they had to like dig it out of my bag because it like popped up on Ooh. the X-ray as like super dangerous and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. Um, my last one is kind of a surprising one because I honestly think it's an underrated. It's not an attractive design. It definitely looks like it's not the most comfortable, but the Dreamcast mm. controller. Um, I, I joked around about it last week, but ultimately deciding uh, I think the Dreamcast is a drastically underrated system is just bad timing on release and ultimately led to the downfall of sega unfortunately um but the dreamcast was a phenomenal Mm -hmm. system the controller is actually like it looks bizarre don't get me wrong but it is ultimately pretty comfortable it grips really well um the only thing you can't do is like like most controllers are now designed where you can actually like reach across and touch things like other buttons from across the controller at times. If you need to, if you feel like you need to get those extra combo punches in or anything like that, um, which you really couldn't do your left hand was for steering. Your right hand was to activate abilities. Um, and that's just the way it was also the memory card system. Um, and that, that it had, you had other memory cards went into the controller, was kind of an interesting idea especially since you had mini games that you mm-hmm. could play on some of them if you had the right memory cards um but all in all like i think that was surprisingly like from looking at it surprisingly ergonomic controller that was really comfortable and you can really play for hours mm-hmm. and so that is our top that has been our top three controllers or handheld systems this week a little bit of everything um many things you probably aren't surprised about with us leading off with the dualshock 4 um just because we are avid Mm -hmm. playstation players um it is our go-to home console just because of it has so many exclusive Mm -hmm. games before we go we should also celebrate on that um game boy the original just had its 30th anniversary last week and we um we forgot to mention that last week. Um, but shout out to the to the OG Nintendo Game Boy. Um, 
setting off the handheld oh, yeah. market um, or making the handheld market extremely accessible, I guess is the way to say that. Yeah, that really is. Um, oh, man. The good old days. I think it was bulky. Also powered mm-hmm. by double A's. Trip double A's. Oh, man. Now we don't even have that. We no, just it's so much better. Things. Um, but with that, Cameron, what are our top three so for next with week? With getting into Dungeons and Dragons, and we had Cyberpunk 2077, which has spawned from a tabletop RPG, and then the Pathfinder announcements. I wanted us to have a quick chat about what our top three franchises are that we would want to see a tabletop RPG come from. Um, and so they don't necessarily have to be like a fighting style tabletop RPG. Um, and so like, I would accept like kind of like more of like a board game type one as well. Something kind of like Gloomhaven, where you are more playing against the game rather than having a DM, um, something kind of like that. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, like straight combat. So just to throw out a random franchise, like if you wanted a harvest moon tabletop RPG, something kind of like that. Um, so just to kind of say they don't have to be a fighting franchise. Um, right. And a lot of them aren't necessary. There are tabletop games out there that are, I mean, tabletop RPGs that don't like, they may have some minor, um, combat elements, but they are not built around combat or fighting concepts. They're built around the actual mm-hmm. art role-playing concept of, a character in a situation or that by the put in place by the DM, you know, there are, I believe there's tabletop RPGs that revolve around being like a student in Mm. a school of some sort. Like they're, they're, it's a very big genre actually. Um, It's just the best known ones are battle because those are Mm -hmm. quest oriented and awesome. But yeah. Okay. That is a wonderful idea. I like it. I have, two mm-hmm. off the top of my head so off to a good start um but with that thank you so much for joining us for episode 106 as i mentioned at the top of the show be sure to follow us on our social media we are one geek 411 on facebook twitter and our playstation community you can email us directly at one st geek 411 at gmail.com be sure to rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. And you can always check out our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com, where you can also find our sister podcasts, Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust. And as always, you can follow our personal social media. I'm not so foreign. And I'm Humar Whittle. <laughs>